Remote work has long moved beyond simply being a trend or a lifestyle. It's a natural evolution in the way we work and collaborate, a complete and vital redesign with profound positive impact for businesses, teams, and society as a whole. With it comes a work culture revolution that requires putting freedom, trust, and conscious behavior at the core of every business who wants to thrive. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and expert in growing happy, high-performing remote teams. Since 2014, I've been running all my businesses remotely, and that has deeply changed who I am as a leader. I've gone from micromanaging an unhappy team, suffering high turnover and working long hours, to moving to the US, traveling roughly six months a year, and loving the shit out of my team and being constantly amazed as to what we're achieving. Join me as I dive into conversations about remote work magic, conscious culture, and the future of work with some of the most inspiring founders and leaders in the remote work space. Insights, tips, success, and failure, innovation, we share it all. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Conscious Culture. I have a guest on the show today who I was connected with recently through my partner, Joe, and her name is Zahara Washington and Joe and Z, who I was introduced to her as. <laughs> That's your nickname or? <laughs> it is, yes. So Z and Joe together were are in a coaching course learning um, and developing their keynote presentation. So we were introduced because I guess the keynote presentation that you're working on right now is very in line with the book I'm writing and my philosophies and beliefs on conscious leadership and conscious culture. So Joe was like, oh my gosh, you two have to meet. And we had an amazing conversation recently that I was halfway through thinking we should be doing this on the podcast. So I'm super happy <laughs> to have you on the show, Z. And I would love to, I'd love to just throw to you to introduce yourself a little bit about what you're working on and, you know, tell us a little bit about you professionally and all that you'd like to share. Great. Well, um, first let me say I'm a big fan of Joe's. I've only known him for four weeks. So, um, but what I saw of him was really special. So thankful to him for introducing us Yay, and really excited thanks, to be, <laughs> uh, for being on the, the podcast today. I am a tech executive slash entrepreneur. I'm an angel investor. I've lived multiple lives in tech, been in the industry for about 15 years, had my own company, a mobile app for couples. Um, and um, for the past decade or so, I've been working for high growth startups in the past, including Uber. And currently I'm at Expedia Group. Awesome. I love it. I love the phrase like living multiple lives. I often feel like that about my own life in terms of my career, in terms of like my relationships, in terms of my, where I've lived because I've lived in different countries. So I can, I can completely Absolutely. relate. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts. Tell us a little bit about this keynote you're building. Right. Um, so as you mentioned, Joy and I met through a, a keynote accelerator and really I use it as a method to pull together a whole bunch of thoughts that I was having about what's missing from the leadership space. I have the credential of an MBA and I work in business, but I feel like I bring a different perspective to some of the traditional um, you know, learnings about what it means to be a leader. I'm a woman um, and I identify as a woman. I'm also an African-American woman. And so um, I bring a lot of different perspective. And this keynote is really about how you can bring your humanity to work and it's really focused on a concept I'm coining called human kindness and leading with human kindness, which is really about the intersection of leading with courage and compassion 
and doing that with a full heart at work. And that's something that um, in a lot of corporate cultures is not talked about a lot. It's not something that's typically embraced or held up um, as something you want to model. And I think that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. And that was the piece that we really connected on is this concept of bringing your whole self to work because the reality is it shows up anyway, energetically. Um, you know, if we're moving mm-hmm. through something really significant in our personal lives, it's going to show up in our, in our professional lives in some way, shape or form. We might be tired. We might be distracted. We might actually be throwing ourselves into work to escape from it. And I think if, we can share with our teams and our, our coworkers like what is actually going on. And that's us as leaders, as well as making space then for our team members to share what's going on for them. You know, often it just clears the air, clears the energy and allows that flow to come, come back in, into play. It also allows us to make space for, you know, people maybe having to take some time or whatever it might be. Um, but allowing like the emotions to come in, allowing, you know, I think there's that old paradigm that like as a leader, you don't show your weakness and you've always got to show Mm -hmm. up and be like really tough and strong. But I mean, why? Like we're a human as well. I I identify my role as a leader to be like the person who kind of corrals us all together toward the vision. It's not an above you or below you type of scenario. It's I'm working by your side. I just happen to be in charge of the piece that's like, coordinating us all toward or aligning us all toward this like bigger picture vision. So I am still fully able to feel self-doubt and fear and overwhelm as well as excitement and thriving and challenge. And all of the things are valid for me as the leader, as well as for anyone on my team. You're absolutely right. But it's, it's, it's surprising how Few people, A, have the self-awareness to understand and allow themselves to feel all of those emotions versus stuff them down. Mm -hmm. Um, As leaders, especially, I mean, we have these archetypes of leadership, as you mentioned, right, which are stoic and brave and have all the answers and, you know, can drive the ship forward. And they're not really human. They're not fallible. They're not, um, you know, with, with thought, right? They're heroes, candidly. And I do think our generation, the generation that's coming behind it, are demanding more um, Mm. authenticity and realness in that regard. But we are in transition in most corporate cultures. We're not there fully. We're still stuck between that old world archetype of what leadership is and the new one that's being shepherded. And it's a bit of a, like most things that are coming in transition, it's uncomfortable, right? Um, there's a lot of talk now about the importance of vulnerability. You know, people say, bring your full self at work. I like to say, bring your best self to work. Not that you can't bring your flaws, but that you come to do the work and that you also allow others to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, that we are in community and we're, we're seeing each other um, as humans, as equals and on the journey to do the best work of our lives, right? That's what work should be about. And a lot of times what we're seeing now is there is a new call for humanity, for people to come and to um, not just ignore someone if they um, are underperforming and that's driven by, for instance, in COVID, um, not having childcare or dealing with the sick relative. It's, it's being able to give voice to that and saying, hey, you know, I'm struggling a bit without having retribution, right? Mm-hmm. For coming... Um, and exposing yourself in that way. 
And I think what you said about your leadership style, it makes a lot of sense, but a lot of leaders, as I, as I mentioned, one, aren't self-aware, right? So they have that insecurity. They don't work from a position of courage. They work from a position of cautiousness, mm-hmm. right? They make themselves small. They're worried about what other people are thinking. They are contracted and operating in this, again, um, archetype as what we think we should be versus what's really in our hearts and minds. And it's from a place of fear, really. It's fear of what will happen if we start to shift and change. And whenever the world starts evolving, whenever we as individuals start evolving, like the fear will show up because all of a sudden we're going into the unknown. And I think that's a really big thing for leaders. I know on my own leadership journey, like every time I let go of the reins a little more, a little more, test it out, something that I was intuitively being called to, uh, I guess, to show up in a different way or to make space in a different way or to implement something new. It was like, I would go through the same feelings of like, oh, what if it doesn't work? I don't know. But then Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, I would choose like possibility and expansion and see what would happen and sort of be like, thanks for your, I, you know, I see you, I know you're trying to protect me, but like, I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, but also, I mean, I say that from a position of I'm an entrepreneur, I have a reasonably small team. I can do like, yeah, I can do it. Different. The stakes are different when you're in, I think a corporate culture, when, when you're an entrepreneur, you build that culture. And it's funny because there's been research that shows founder led companies are usually more culturally aligned with the Mm. founder and driven with the founder and have this purpose and mission that drives um, outsized business results. As you get bigger, you get the, you know, second CEO, you go public, there's a, there's more distance from that purpose, right? There's less of that connection. Um, And I think particularly in a lot of corporations in America, there, and there's research that shows, you know, being vulnerable um, to your team and your direct reports can actually work against you. I think that's, again, another signal that shows that we're in this transition. I do think it's the right thing over the long term. And clearly you can't, you know, be incompetent, um, right? You need to, to be able to show up and, and, and do the job. But I think more and more people are hungry for um, connection. And not only connection to others on their team, but a deeper connection for what their work means in terms of their broader life purpose, Right. It's, it's becoming less and less acceptable to just work for a paycheck. I think that's a large part of what we're seeing this explosion, right? And what people call the gig economy. People want freedom to be able then to do whatever they want with their time. There's, there's more and more options now today to, to do that. And so there's more demands on work to be more than just um, a monetary exchange. It's really about, you know, what am I doing with my life? And that's very much been driven by millennials and I think is only going to increase with the next generation. I mean, as I am a millennial myself, we love to travel. We love to the feeling of freedom, the feeling of being able to kind of run our own show. I think there's an entrepreneurial flair that runs through the millennial generation, even for those who are not entrepreneurs. There's just a little bit of a spark in us to have a little bit more control or say over how we operate our days and how we want things. And so, you know, it's not surprising that as that generation quickly becomes one of the largest parts of the workforce, that the demands are changing. Everything is changing and they do absolutely, or we do absolutely want I, I couldn't really work on something that I wasn't passionate about. Yeah. Like I, I always say, I've never worked a day in my life since I was about, well, the first time I worked in my family business, I was 19. And then I went away 
traveling for a couple of years, but I came back full time when I was 24, 25. And I've, I've never worked a day in my life since then, because I've always been mm-hmm. doing things that I absolutely love, that I'm passionate about, that I'm aligned with. And the money is the secondary piece, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe it's even further down the line than secondary. Like, you know, as long as it's but commercially it's a- viable, let's go. Right. I think, I think you're right about the shift from generations, but I think it's also important to note that really we are living in a period and moment of privilege, right? Where mm-hmm. we can do that. And oh, I think yes. that's also generational, right? Which is, um, I, I always like to go back to like Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like, you know, many generations back, there wasn't this option. You work to put food on the table. That's basic security, right? Mm-hmm. Now the barriers to be, do, be able to do work that allows you to self-actualize are here. And so there, there are lower barriers to that. And so I think that's really what I like to think that's what is happening. It's not only generational, but it's also an evolution in terms of us as humans in um, aligning and finding ways to self-actualize through our work. And I think as a corporate leader who also very much feels that way, I, everything you said as an entrepreneur for me too, Mm -hmm. I'm very purpose-driven. It's very hard for me to get up. I, in fact, I can't, I, you know, and I, you know, I don't know if I share the story with you, but I, you know, I, I know many people who are like dentists or things that are, that seem just very like a, you know, one plus one equals two, right. It's very, you know, kind of in the box. And to me, I admire that sometimes because it's a simplicity of feeling your purpose, you know what to do. There's just like a clear path. Whereas, you know, for other folks like myself, like in seems like similar to you, there's a lot of different ways that you can self-actualize. Right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that causes some tension, right? Because you're, you know, you you don't know which of the things you should be doing at what time. Um, And I think that's um, similar to the experience as a corporate leader, right? In a big company where you believe this is the right way to lead, how do you um, show up in that way and still succeed in a world that is largely, for the most part, still on the evolution, on the journey, Mm -hmm. right, of of, um, leading in this way? I'm I'm nodding and smiling and our listeners can't see, but it's because I often talk about the fact that Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the fact that millennials, as millennials, we live in the top of the pyramid. Like we've got to spend yeah. most of our time there, irrespective and not to downplay individual personal challenges and situations that absolutely still exist. Generationally speaking, we've had food on the table, we've had a roof over our heads, we've we've kind of had the needs met, we've had the wants met and pretty much most of the time. And so we get to sit thinking about how we can be better human beings and what this life experience actually is and how we can bring more meaning into our world because we're not in a place for the most part of like trying to survive. And mm-hmm. I, I, I talk with people of previous generations about this because, you know, there's been a lot of rhetoric around not being able to engage millennials in their business and millennials don't care. They job hop, they're all over the place. You know, they're so Mm -hmm. idealistic and it's just like, well, thank you firstly for the path that you laid for us because the world Mm -hmm. is in many, I mean, we're moving through some horrific stuff right now, but the world is in many ways a better place than it Mm -hmm. was previously Mm -hmm. because of the things that have happened and the path that's been paved for us. And so as a result of that, we do get to spend more time thinking about these deeper questions, Mm -hmm. contemplating um, and that's a gift. And if mm-hmm. the way to engage with millennials but, is but to I give them even space say, for that. I agree. But I, I also would add in some ways, because I'm kind of on the, the cusp of both of those generations, mm. you 
the, the millennials, even now the millennials aren't even the younger ones now. No, right? now so, it's the gen, I don't know what it is now, Gen Z. Right. <laughs> XYZ. I, I don't want to underplay the importance of courage in that, right? Because I, I do think it takes courage, right, to step out. It takes courage to demand those things from the workforce. It takes courage to say, I'm going to bet on myself. Yeah. And I, I do believe that there that is a new framework, right? The, the ability to um, step into that, have the self-confidence awareness, I think is, is a game changer in, you know, the ability for that to be realized today. Mm. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, obviously if we look back over history, there's always been these courageous, brave leaders who have, you know, largely been people that have contributed to moving the needle on huge mm-hmm. issues on, you know, maybe consciousness rising or awareness or maybe just changing the way a system or a society or a structure works. You know, do you think there's, is it a case that there's more people on the planet doing this now or has it always been this way? You know, has there always been people that are willing to embody that courage? It feels like there's more, but I don't know. I would love to hear your opinion on this. Yeah, it's a great question. I think about it as, you know, big C, little C courage. And so, yes, there are these heroic leaders, right, who, you know, fought for the right to vote and, you know, got rid of sweatshops and got the minimum wage. And that's big C courage. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about now is more little C courage, which is really about speaking your mind and not being silent. Mm -hmm. And even in the smallest ways, right, um, in, in opening yourselves up to being vulnerable, that's a one-to-one relationship. And that's also doing work with itself. I do mm-hmm. think that has changed the, the willingness, the acceptance that we have as a society to do self-work, mm-hmm. to work on ourselves, to know ourselves um, in a deeper way. I do think that's something that is, is newer, um, or at least in my perception is, is newer. But I, I don't think the big C courage has really changed. I think it's the little C and how that's showing up and, and moving us into this, um, this era where we are demanding more um, from, from work. Mm, I feel that. I really, really, I literally feel that in my body, like I got shivers as you were speaking. And I think it's, it's just, you know, a fascinating time and an exciting time and writing my book, um, Conscious Leadership that I'm, well, that's the working title anyway for right now, but it's the journey of writing has been in and of itself. It's, it's wild. And it's been in and of itself a, a huge exercise in self-reflection. Um, right. One of the things I just did the other day, because as I've been writing, I've been like, well, I want to be sure that every, like, I, it, it's just opened up questions for me to be like, is this truth? Like, is this what I'm doing? Is this how I'm showing up? Is this just a story right. telling myself? Um, as, as often happens, the universe has presented scenarios that I've like just written about, like, this doesn't really happen to me anymore because I'm so conscious. And then boom, it happens. I'm like, oh damn, okay. It can still happen. It's all good. Like, but like just to check myself and be like, cool. And then like build that story and share that experience so that I'm being as close to my truth and alignment as I can possibly be. And I just shared my manuscript, which is, you know, very rusty right now and and not even complete with my entire team. And I was like, please go through it and tell me, like, check me if there's stuff that I'm speaking here from my little pedestal or high horse that I'm like, totally, you know, we don't even know the stories we create sometimes like check me because I don't want to write 
any bullshit. Like I want to, I want to yeah. speak our truth as a company, our truth to where we are right now, what we've learned, our culture, how we are. Like I want to speak it, you know, and it's really a book, you know, what became apparent to me as I was writing is that um, I'm not writing a book on how to be a conscious leader and here are the five steps and off you go. Right. Because yeah. I don't think that is what a conscious leader is. I think, yeah, you know, the only thing I really think is the one thing is self-reflection, like doing this yeah. inner work. Like that, that is what has come to me as the most important thing probably of anything. Like the only work that really matters is our inner work because the world only changes when we change ourselves. And I think that would be yep. the only thing that I could say is a path to being a more conscious leader is to just do your inner work because yep. everything else is just my experience and being tapped into my intuition, into my my consciousness, my higher self to be reflective is what helps me create our unique culture the way that it is. And that is not so it's not a book on like how to create our culture because our culture no. won't work for somebody else. It works like for it, you. It exactly. works for us. Yeah. So it's been, yeah. you know, a really, a really amazing journey. A lot yeah. of that resonates. Um, and, you know, some would say that is our purpose, right? It is to constantly grow, self-reflect, to become, to awaken, right? And so a lot of that makes sense in terms of that being boiling down to be the essence of, you know, your, your masterclass, if you will, on <laughs> conscious leadership. If I may, I mean, I, you know, we're, we're talking in, in a time that's crazy in the world mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, and so please. there's, there's one point I want to connect to that because, um, you know, there, there's protests going on around the world right now around, um, police brutality and, um, um, I think an awakening around the history, particularly in America, mm -hmm. of um, racism and the like. And there's often this question I think people are asking themselves now, what can I do, right? What can I do? And I think it's the same answer, right, that you just gave, which is do the work, yep. right? And it's, it's not work that is um, on a social media post or, you know, an, uh, a donation you scream from the mountaintops. It is that self-work. It's the mm -hmm. same answer you just gave to conscious leadership. It is um, really being honest and knowing yourself, your bias, you know, the same, right. Which we, we all have in some way, in addition totally. to your privilege and, and, and working on that. And, and I, I wouldn't discount what you, you know, what you were saying, because some people just that awareness that there's work to be done is a shift in and of yeah. itself that may take years to even realize, right. Um, so. Oh, I mean, this is exactly what I've been thinking the last few days. And I actually haven't used any of my platforms to speak what I'm thinking yet, because one, I'm doing a lot of listening right now, right. but yeah. also I'm doing my own work. I have yeah. been walking down the street, looking at everyone and everything and observing my own judgments and biases. And, yeah. and, and I have a mantra I discovered like a concept of separation within myself that I'd created about a year ago. Uh, and it was to do with not feeling like I wasn't enough as a child, feeling like I was left out. I then mm. became a leader and built community mm. to put the community around me. But I realized it was just, a, it was just two sides of the same coin of separation mm. because I was never of the people. I was either, I didn't fit in or I'll now lead you. And I, I discovered mm. that about myself about a year ago. Mm. And one of the mantras that I, well, the mantra I repeated to myself daily after that was every single person I laid eyes on, I would say, 
I love you. I see you. I am you. I love you. Mm. I see you. I am you. And what I was trying to do, I was just trying to break down all of those biases, those judgments, those stories that fucking come into your mind without you even thinking them about ranking everything and everyone around us. And it's, it's part of you know, I think it's, I'm not like a brain. I know, human evolution. It's, there's something it's like, like the amygdala, right? It's like this, <laughs> the survival thing. There's, a, there's right. an actual part of our brain that operates yeah. to constantly be judging our surroundings to just ensure our survival. Like, But we are not living as, we're not little animals right. running around being hunted right. by Primitive. dragons and right. <laughs> lions and saber-toothed tigers anymore. So we can start, and our consciousness is rising, so we can start to wrangle that and be more aware of all of these stories and ideas that are constantly coming without us even thinking. And I just reconnected with that this week and I thought hmm. that is what I can do right now. Absolutely. I, I love that. I can walk around and just work on myself, just find those mm-hmm. little stories that I still have there, you know, and just deconstruct them and let them go and just remember that we're not separate. We're all one. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, I am, I am everyone in, in everything. Mm-hmm. And I am a tree and I'm a rock and I'm a, the air and I'm every human on the planet and I'm every animal. Like I am all of it. And mm-hmm. all of these experiences that are happening are being, it, it, it is a united experience. This is getting very kind of esoteric right now, but <laughs> you know, that's that's what I've been coming to, back to and, and mm-hmm. where I'm at and yeah it's a it's a challenging time and it feels like we're walking through a fire to mm-hmm. you know get to the other side yeah get to the other side it's an important Absolutely. fire to be walking through mm-hmm. thank you for raising that um I would also like to just circle back to I love the fact that you're an investor an entrepreneur and now work, working in corporate I would love to just hear a little bit before we finish up on the podcast about like what it is like, you know, we, we touched Mm -hmm. a little bit on being an entrepreneur versus like running your own show and being able to make all these, call all these shots versus working Mm -hmm. in a larger corporation. And like, how is it for you wrangling all these different, Mm -hmm. I know you're pretty much just you, (laughs) but yeah, Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about it and and tips and Mm -hmm. advice perhaps for people who are listening, who are like, really want to step into this kind of conscious leadership path and build a more higher vibration culture, but maybe feel constrained by the fact Mm -hmm. that they don't run the business. It's not their company. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say, you know, two things come to mind. One, um, if you are a purpose driven person, um, not even a leader, but you, that's important to you to be purpose-led and driven. And I'm not just talking working in public or nonprofit, you know, all different types of spheres of, of uh, work. Um, I think it's really important to recognize that and to understand the importance of that in the work that you do. Earlier in my career, I don't think I made that connection. Um, and I thought about it much more around, okay, if I'm working in um, nonprofit spaces and that that is purpose-driven, what I realized is it's even more fundamental to the values and principles of the company and the leaders. And every opportunity that I look at, I ask myself a question, which is, who do I want to be led by, Right. And what is the the individuals within that organization that I feel like I can be led by? If I look across a senior suite of either peers or the CEO, um, I will have trouble kind of really committing if I don't believe that um, those are people who are worthy, candidly, mm-hmm. of, of leading, right? And then I think the second thing is really finding ways and opportunities in the sphere that you do control, because I really do believe everyone is a leader within an organization, within the sphere that you 
you control and that you have impact on, um, whether if you're an individual contributor, it's the work product that you create. If you're a leader of a team, it's your team. If you're the CEO, it's the entire business. To find ways to show up as a leader you would want to be led by, right? You know, it's it's similar to be the change, right? It's it's showing up and living that day to day. And just like conscious leadership or being a conscious leader, it's not something you create this destination and you're there and you get a gold ring. I think that's a joy of leadership candidly. It's like parenting, right? You can screw it up some days and sometimes you're really great and other times, but but there's never kind of a an end state. It's always evolving. You're always growing, stretching. And I would just encourage people to find opportunities to do that. The, the, the cultures that have, there, there's been a lot of research around high-performing cultures. And one element that I think um, aligns with both of these, i.e. people you want to be led by and also your ability to be the leader you want to be, is working within cultures that allow you to have what um, people call psychological safety. Basically, allow you to take risk and Mm -hmm. do it without fear of retribution, right? And this is just another way to say, can I be vulnerable, right? Can I be vulnerable in this workplace? Are there leaders that demonstrate that and model that? And are they still around once they do it, right? Um, I think those are um, key um, cornerstones of cultures that allow people to show up as human, that allow them to evolve. Um, not that not that um, you won't be held accountable, right? If there are commitments you make that you don't live up to, but it's around nurturing excellence and allowing people to you know continue on their journey as we all are um, to be better versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that is the work of a leader often is to look back and say, you know, if something did go pear-shaped in your team is like, how, how, what container did I create? You know, did I create Mm -hmm. the space in the container for this person to be vulnerable for this person to take risks? And I certainly aspire to be the kind of leader that creates the space for everything to happen and, and to be okay with it and to talk about it. But I also think about, you know, as we're talking about this concept of, of leadership, it's not a title, you know, it's, it's absolutely not. You can lead as the first year administrator of a big company. You can be a leader, like being a Mm -hmm. lead, a leader to me is, you know, people want to follow you. It's not because Mm -hmm. that's your title. It's not because you're in a position of authority or power. It's because Mm -hmm. people resonate with you and they feel psychologically safe, I think is, the words you use, they feel mm-hmm. like they want to be a part of whoever you are and whatever you're doing and, and go on that journey with you. And that you know, anyone can, can be that within any organization at any level, mm-hmm. I think, or in any Absolutely. part of their life, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm, I love this. Such a good conversation. And I'm so happy to have had you on the show. I knew when we talked on the phone that first time that we had plenty to talk about. Can I just create space for you? Is there anything else you would like to share on this topic or on, you know, the topic of what's happening in the world right now or anything else at all, really? Um, Well, I would, there's a, there's a lot I'd like to share, but like you, um, I'm, um, starting to think about ways that I can get this message out more as well. And so, um, this conversation has just been helpful. Um, and want to just thank you for, you know, having me on and allowing me to share a bit more about, um, the thought leadership, if you will, that I'm, um, developing and hoping to contribute to the broader, you know, landscape. 
Mm, me too. I'm super grateful to have had this conversation with you as well today. So thank you for giving us your time. Uh, where can people find you? Where's the best place for them to connect with you? And if they are interested in, you know, booking you to come and speak on this topic or any of the topics that we've been talking about, um, where, what's the best place for people to connect with you? Um, very simply, uh, ZaharaWashington.com. So www.ZaharaWashington.com. Amazing. And we'll include all of that in the show notes and everything. So thank you so much, Z, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. Thank and your you time. for having me, Sarah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conscious Culture, the Evolution of Work. Follow us as we further explore real stories of remote companies and the thriving cultures they are creating. To stay updated with all our episodes, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. In the show notes of each episode, you'll find some of our favorite remote work and culture resources. However, if you want to have a chat about remote work, how it's done and how it can benefit your company, feel free to reach out to me directly anytime. My email address is sarah at growmyteam.com.au.